Welcome to Local SEO Today. On this podcast, John Vong interviews business professionals and entrepreneurs in many fields to uncover challenges and successes in business ownership. Our goal is to provide you with insights into the entrepreneurship journey and give you tips and advice from real experience. Brought to you by Local SEO Search based in Toronto, Canada. Thanks for listening to Local SEO Today. Don't forget to subscribe and share this episode. Joining me today is Will Critchlow. He founded online marketing agency Distilled in 2005 and started Search Love Conference in 2009. This year, he founded Search Pilot for SEO AB testing. Thanks for being on the show, Will. Thank you for having me. It's, uh, it's a great pleasure. Well, I'm excited because you're joining me all the way from England. <laughs> and for me, I know we're going through a lot right now, right, in the world situation. Um, how have you been dealing with what the turmoil, the unrest, like what's going on in your world over there? Yeah, well, so um, I, I think the, the main thing to say is I, I feel very lucky that, you know, that our personal situation has, has gone uh, pretty well. We are lucky enough to have, uh, you know, some outdoor space. So even in the in the depths of full-on lockdown, the kids could get some exercise, um, you know, families safe and well, uh, and, and those kinds of things. So, um, you know, th- that being said, yes, it's been it's been quite a year. And I think what we've we've noticed, all of the kind of, yeah, those personal impacts on, on our own, uh, you know, mental uh, well-being, uh, families, our teams, and obviously the impact on the business as well. I think, um, yeah, we're, we're very lucky that, I mean, I, I guess most people in, in our industry were able to work from home. And so, you know, operationally, it, it's been fine. You know, we, we, we can do everything from home that we would be able to do from the office. Um, so it is much more about that, A, the mental health, and, and, and B, just the all of the other demands, you know, when, when folks have kids that they're having to homeschool mm. um you know my, my kids were home for, for a good few months um it, earlier on they're, they're back at school now um and yeah that that was tough juggling juggling the the, the kids needs with the fact that in i think probably you know april and may were, were perhaps the worst of it in terms of business uncertainty where you know you, you just didn't know I don't think anybody knew what, yeah. what what the next shooter drop would look like, which clients were going to continue working, which weren't, whether there's any new business coming, what what how long we might be in this situation for, all of those kinds of things. So um, it, it's it's definitely been been a challenging year, but uh, but we've come through it. You know, both bits of the business um, have uh, have recovered nicely. Obviously, conferences we're not back to in person conferences yet, uh, but we we will be, uh, and everything else has has rebounded nicely for us. So um, yeah, again, feel, feel very lucky. Amazing. Amazing. So I I know a little bit about you, but maybe share with the audience member about your journey and maybe go way back to like your studies and your career path. Yeah, well, so actually it probably even starts before uh, before my studies. So the I think the the journey begins in the 90s. Uh, So um, I I don't know what the average age of our audience here is, but uh, but 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 I'm guessing I'm older now than uh, I, I, you know, I used to be the the one of the young kids in the industry. And it's funny how you go from, uh, from being the youngster to, to being the, um, the veteran, uh, se- seemingly overnight. But um, yeah, in the, so I, I, my, I went through my kind of teenage years in the 90s and remember the kind of uh, the, the early days of the, of the web and us getting our first internet access and, and those kinds of things at home and at school. And uh, myself and 
uh, my co-founder, Duncan Morris, so the two of us founded Distilled, as you said, in 2005. Yep. We actually met in about 91, 92 uh, in, at school. And we started building websites uh, together along with some of our other, other friends in the late 90s, uh, or mid to late 90s, 96, 97, something like that. And that was a fascinating time to be doing anything with the web, right? Barely anyone was online compared to today. Uh, and the tools were terrible and the, the things we built were terrible. But at the same time, it was a new frontier and it was exciting and it was interesting. We were learning all the time. And so, yeah, so, so there's kind of that bit, which is, I guess, the, the, the seed was planted. And, and so that was the seed of the technology side. I think the seed of the entrepreneurial side was probably, um, you know, my, my dad worked from home. He, he was a, uh, ran his own business for almost, almost as long as I can remember. I, I just about remember the last time he commuted in, in the early 80s. Um, and uh, yeah, so th then we, we talked actually about kind of building a business together, Duncan and I, um, it, then. So you know, 98, 99. And in the end, decided that we were going to go to university and, and uh, you know, get, get some more education and those kinds of things, which uh, which I'm very, very glad we did. We, we, we had wonderful university experiences, but uh, I've always kind of wondered what would have happened because we'd have gone through the whole dot-com boom and bust, mm. right? Which, which we pretty much sat out, right? Because 98 to 2002 was, was kind of my university journey. And that's obviously the, the big big spike and big drop. Um, and we used to brainstorm all these kind of crazy ideas that then you'd read in the newspaper that, yeah, or that exact idea has just had $10 million of funding or, or, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, a few weeks later, the business is bust or, or, yeah. or all those kind of things. So, so we graduated into, uh, I think, probably the worst jobs market until the global financial crisis a, a decade yeah. later. Um, but we were both lucky enough to, to find, find jobs straight out, out of university. So we moved to London. So again, that was the next milestone where, where we, we thought about um, picking up what we'd been doing, starting a business then and, and it would have been the same kind of thing you know building websites um but we wanted to move to london couldn't afford to do both things so we got jobs working for the man and um did that for a couple of years and, and then essentially realized that or decided that if we were going to do this thing that was the time because you know, 2005 we, we were 25 yeah. um we didn't have kids yet we weren't married yet we were renting you know we could we could really dial back our expenses, our personal expenses, and, and live quite frugally for a time, which was good because uh, yeah, I think the first year we um, uh, we, we made less money than you know, in, in total revenue than uh, either of us had made in salary previously, and so it uh, it was quite a long slow ramp up. So we, we started building websites, then we moved into SEO. Um, initially for the people whose websites we built, small local businesses, typically, you know, local hairdresser, uh, the, yeah. um, uh, the pub, the physiotherapist. Like I, I remember these people's names because I, I, I went door to door selling to them, uh, basically. They were all up and down our local, uh, our local high street. And um, that gave us kind of the confidence, you know, doing that for 100 odd small businesses gave us the confidence that we were doing things that were valuable, things that worked and that... I remember we went to some conferences in, in the, the mid-2000s, 2006, 2007, um, and actually found them very confident. They gave us a lot of confidence because actually we found that we we did know a lot of this stuff, you know, mm -hmm. that, that there wasn't another level deeper that, we, that we'd had no access to. Obviously, we were still learning things, but, but it wasn't like there was a, a secret that nobody had told us yeah. uh, yet. And so... Yeah, around that time, we started offering SEO services as, as a kind of standalone offering so, so to people whose websites we hadn't built. Yeah. 
And that was a that was an overnight change in the business because suddenly we could start consulting for much much larger larger organizations, larger websites, where there was a limit to how big our small team, how big a website our small team could build, right? And we pretty much hit that limit. We, we were kind of bumping up on selling, uh, you know, websites that cost mid five figures, maybe. Um, and to go much bigger than that, you really need a, a much, much bigger team, yeah. right? You, you need separate skills in all of the different areas. You need project managers. You need all this kind of layers of stuff that, that um, rather than build that, we, we kind of got into the consulting side of things. And so, uh, yeah, that was that was our kind of entry in, into the scene. And we, um, uh, we, we started trying to build a name for ourselves and, um, and, and get known for organic search. And um, yeah, we carried on building websites for another couple of years, but then gradually that died away. And then, as you said, we started the conferences and uh, a few years later, the, 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 the software that ended up spinning out as search pilot. That's amazing. I, I love the journey because people don't understand what it takes, right? People think it's an overnight success, right? They hear it. I mean, story. It's an overnight success a decade or two after you start. Exactly, right? <laughs> but that's what people want to hear. They, they're in their 20s and they, they're like hopes and dreams. This person looks young. Like, Will, you look like you're in your 20s. Yet alone, you're probably in your 40s, right? Or That's close right. to it. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm in my 40s now. And uh, yeah, exactly. I think the uh, I think there's, there's a big element of um, businesses. There's a lot of mystery and, and mysticism that, that surrounds different kinds of business ventures. And I think some of it you need the naivety of having no idea what you're doing yeah otherwise maybe you wouldn't get into it you, yeah. you know what i mean like the, <laughs> exactly you know, we, we kind of i remember actually we built a we built a business model our uh, business plan years a spreadsheet uh, of what we thought our performance might be in these uh, before we even started yeah and um we couldn't quite make the numbers work so uh we were like you know if we make it was like if we make this many cold calls we send this many yeah, yeah. uh letters out we send you know we do this much kind of direct mail uh maybe our conversion rate will be like this if i go door to door like this i'll meet this many people maybe we'll sell this many websites maybe we can charge you know uh however many hundred or how many thousand pounds per website and uh we couldn't we couldn't make it work in the spreadsheet and and then we kind of said oh well you know should we just give it a try and like yeah you know, see, see if we can do better than the than the spreadsheet suggests and um i i don't yeah, even looking back, I'm, I'm kind of like, that's that's a really interesting mental model. Like, how do we take that step from going, I can't even make this work in the spreadsheet to, well, let's just give it a try. And um, yeah, I, I think there is there is value in doing it at a time in your life when you can you can take those risks. And we were obviously exactly. in, a, in a very lucky situation as well, where we, we weren't saddled with big personal debts, uh, those kinds of things. We, we, did, we, weren't, we didn't have a big bankroll behind us. I think, you know, we'd each saved enough to buy a laptop and, um, you know, pay our rent for, for a month or two I, but, I love that but but we did need it to work like you know yeah. we, we didn't have um we didn't have any other source of, of, of income but we were we were privileged enough not to not to be underwater when we started so I, I realized that's quite different to, to many other people but um you know you read about at the time as I said we were reading a lot about the um the boom and bust of the of the dot-com yeah. era these days I think the equivalent would be I mean it's still TechCrunch right but it, yeah, yeah. certainly a decade ago it would, it would have been TechCrunch and yeah that there's a lot of you know you read about the stats of the percentage of businesses that fail and i think a lot of that is i think that happens at both ends of the of that spectrum but at one end it's people give up and that's not always a bad thing right they, they might just realize that this is this life is not for them 
right? The, the, the roller coaster of being an entrepreneur is not for them. And, and that, count, that counts as a business failure or a business shutdown, right, in, in the statistics. And at the other extreme, you've got the, the explosions of the, you know, raised 100 million in VC, then went bust. And uh, that's, a very, that's a very different kind of failure as well. And, and the individuals are probably fine, right? They go on to the next thing. Um, but I think people should have their eyes open to which of these things, what, what they're shooting for, and um, I really recommend actually Rand Fishkin's book, Lost and Founder. Oh yeah, I, I think everybody, idea. everybody early in that for journey, agency, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, for, for basically any kind of business, really, yeah. just and especially if you're thinking of raising outside money, um, which which I, I, I've never really been on that. Um, I, I've never worked in a VC-backed business, but plenty of our clients and customers have been. Um, and the company that acquired Distilled um, is uh, is private equity backed, so at least I, I've kind of seen some of that financial discipline and, uh, and the, the need to create returns for external shareholders. Um, but I think, yeah, I mean, like you were saying, it, it, is, it isn't overnight. I think the nice thing about that is, and, I, and I've seen this with a lot of my friends and, and peers around the industry, if you, if you do slog away, if you commit to this and you slog away at it for a decade, you will get somewhere, right? You, you, you will get somewhere interesting. It may not be venture-sized returns. I think those are... Those are rare and you have to know that going into it. But the chances that you can build a solid profitable business that will pay you good money and set your family up well and employ people and be a valuable part of the community, like that, that's actually much, much higher if you, if you can commit to it for a decade plus. Yeah, and I, I think you hit it right on the nail, like lifestyle business, which supports your people, your family, mm-hmm. your you know, staff and you can commit, right? The big thing is people lose faith. They give up early. And um, the challenge is a lot of people have misconceptions, right? They, they already have a real high expectation and they already have a timeline, which is personal motivation, which mm-hmm. is fine. But reality is it usually takes way longer and you're going to get paid way less than anyone ever tells you in a book, in a video, because they're only showing you the one top 0.001% of the people that were successful. Everyone mm. else is, you know, struggling, right? Everyone is trying to make well, it. Well, <laughs> and I think the secret is actually that even the successful people are struggling. Like it, it's course. hard, right? It, it's hard. And yeah. the, um, the, the timelines are long, even on the things that are genuinely much closer to overnight successes. You know, that, that actually you look at the timeline of, how long ago they got they actually got started, uh, or or when that founder feels like they started that journey, and inevitably it's it's that few years earlier, right? So so what looks like three years was actually seven, um, you know, and those are it's all very well to say I can commit to doing this for a few years, but a year is a long time, and, and um, yeah, so I I, I don't know I, I think it is that commitment that that um, going for the journey, go enjoying the ride. And, and a lot of people who are say working right now in the SEO industry and they want to move that move ahead to be more of a consultant to then start their own agency, that mindset, that shift from employee, from just doing their daily tasks and activities to then build a team, to then have customers, then bookkeeping, finance, accounting, then sales, marketing background, customer service, then operations, systems, pr- procedures, process, like it's a whole new like subset of skills, right? And yep. that's where a lot of people in the agency world 
don't get, right? Like, yes, you're great as a consultant. You're great as a freelancer or, or someone that's already doing one certain aspect, like link build or strategy or content or whatever. But when you then try to embed everything together as an agency and then deliver really good results for clients and you're accountable, that's where a lot of people like, you know, they give up, right? Like there's a lot yeah. of failure in that space. So Yeah, that's true. And, and although, I, again, I would say like, I think some of that, some of stopping doing that shouldn't really be classified as failure, right? That some of that is discovering exactly. what you want to do, discovering what's what, fit for you. Yeah, exactly. absolutely. Um, and yeah, that might get classified on the books as a business failure, but but actually it can just be moving on and it, it certainly doesn't have to be a personal failure. I think, um, yeah, I remember going to a, um, uh, a talk, it was a few years into running our business. So I, I, we were pretty much committed to hiring people and growing the yeah, team. Yeah by this point, uh, which is probably good because, because it was a talk that was essentially trying to talk you out of doing that, which was saying, uh, he, I remember he had this very vivid description of the valley of death, yeah. he called it, which was, um, you know, he essentially plotted a, a chart where the y-axis was um, individual entrepreneurs take home, annual take home uh, pay, and the, uh, the x-axis was number of employees. And he, he just drew this, this valley um, and he said, you know, that if you're, if you're a very good, if you're very good at almost anything as a one man band, as an individual, um, consultant, there's a very good chance you can earn six, six figures, right? Whether that's as a plumber, as an SEO consultant, yeah. as a you know, financial planner, like w- wedding planner, whatever it is, like you can, there are ways of earning, um, you know, good money, uh, out on your own. As soon as you start hiring people, that number starts dropping. Yeah. And, and the, the scary thing is how long it takes to, to turn the corner, but not only that, how long it takes to get back up above what you were where, making, you, where, you, where you could have started. And, and I think we were lucky because we actually didn't start at the top of that curve, right? We were, um, we were coming out of uh, entry-level graduate jobs and we hadn't made a name yet for ourselves in, in, the, in the industry as individual consultants. Um, I was actually listening, I don't know if you know um, Stephen Pavlovich, founder of conversion.com he uh i was listening to a podcast that he was on um actually this morning on, on a dog walk and uh he recently sold his business uh, and he did the other way around so so he was an uh, a highly compensated uh well-known individual consultant first who then built out an agency and um yeah he, he was telling it from, from his perspective but from, from our perspective that slope we, we was always upwards for us, I, th- I think each year we, we could pay ourselves a little bit better and we weren't comparing back to when we were an individual freelancer or, or, or um, you know, well-known individual consultant because we, we'd never done that. We didn't do it that way around. Uh, so again, that was another bit of fortuitous thing that let us, let us go on that slog because I think if we'd, yeah, if, we, if we'd built that up first, built up the individual consulting business first uh, and then had to make that jump to say, actually, I'm taking this massive pay cut to hire a team uh, and gone on that, that journey, that would have been probably a lot harder um, to stomach. And I think everyone has their own personal journey, right? And for you, it sounds pretty uh, remarkable where it was a grind, right? But that's how you're always trying to learn and make mistakes, right? Like everyone understands that as an entrepreneur, you're never going to be perfect right off the bat. And you're going to continually trying to understand, learn, make mistakes and, you know, try to pivot or adapt to the situation, the economy, whatever the customer demands, right? Like, but that's, if you're enjoying the process, pursue it, continue. But if you 
you know, if you don't even want to continue waking up and doing what you love, like, don't, don't do it. Find something that you're more passionate doing, right? Um, for, for sure. I, I, I definitely, I come back a lot to um, another quote that I remember is from the, the book, The Hard Thing About Hard Things, yeah. um, which uh, is more about the VC-backed world and yeah. the kind of intense pressures that that, that brings. But um, the, the line that I think applies, no matter what kind of business you're building, is about seeking to enjoy the journey. The um, I think he calls it uh, enjoy the game, and that that really resonated with me and has resonated with me over the years. Is it's like in the vast majority of cases, especially in our industry, in kind of you know a, a space where there are quite a lot of jobs where you could go and you could go and work for somebody else's agency, or you yeah, could yeah. work in house, or you could you know yeah. there's people have options. It's like remember nobody nobody made you be an entrepreneur nobody made you start this business you know these are your, your choice exactly. and um then seeking deliberately to, to to make the most of that and remember that and remind yourself that uh this is this is the game that you've chosen and so you might as well yeah enjoy it to the best best of your ability and i think the kind of grind changes so you know the, there's yeah there's the grind of day one where you've got to do your own bookkeeping is one kind of you know yes you're doing data entry right the minimum wage uh, kind of stuff um there's the kind of grind where things just don't go your way you know and, and it feels like you're you're putting a lot of effort in either and you're sta- either standing on the spot or even worse going backwards and that happens you know repeatedly <laughs> through the lives of uh i think any agency journey um probably any business journey um through to the kind of the the, the genuinely really hard things right you know having to fire someone or lay someone off or, um, you know, do performance manage things or deal with a very difficult client situation or uh, worry about financial stress um, in the business or, uh, or, or for your team. And um, yeah, you can't enjoy all those things exactly, but you, you can kind of uh, at least, at least acknowledge the fact that you're, you put yourself in this situation and you're learning from it and you'll come out of it stronger. Um, so so it's amazing uh, to hear someone that's seasoned like yourself being just, you know, open about the journey, right? Because a lot of people need to understand this, need to hear it from someone that now runs a conference and enjoys what they're doing, but goes through this entire process, right? Mm-hmm. Um, over the years, did you ever, ever um, hire like mentors or coaches and how has that really helped or impacted you in any yeah, way? Yeah, we've... Um we've had a couple of different kinds of, uh, of relationships with people who've been pivotal, pivotal in, in different ways. So okay. I think probably the, uh, the earliest one I remember actually was the other way around. Um, he paid us. So it was oh, one nice. of our earliest customers, uh, earliest clients was, um, w- became a, a, an amazing mentor, uh, for us over the years. Um, unfortunately he died a couple of years ago. Um, but he, uh, and I wrote this whole story up actually so on my personal website, willcritchlow.com. Um, there's the story of uh, how I met Richard Denny. Basically, the, the the summary of it quickly is that he um, he'd done many things. He was a successful businessman in a number of areas, but one of the things he'd done is he'd written a book uh, called Selling to Win. So he was a, a salesman himself initially, and then he'd become a sales coach and then a more general business coach. And he'd written this book called Selling to Win, and it had a lime green cover really really striking lime green cover and a month or two before uh, we started the business that become distilled um my co-founder and i went on a uh, a kind of last family holiday together 
we figured that it'd be some time before we could both go on holiday at the same time yeah, yeah. again. Yeah. Uh, and so um, uh, the two of us and our, our girlfriends, now wives, um, went away for, for a week. Nice. And we were in the airport waiting to, uh, waiting to go. And we were talking about the fact that the, the thing we knew least about this business that we were about to start was sales. And, you know, we, we knew about the technology, we knew about um, a, a reasonable amount about kind of like managing clients and those kinds yeah. of things. I, I'd worked as a consultant. Um, we knew about the finances. Again, I'd, I'd, had, I'd worked in kind of finance consulting. We didn't really know about sales. Neither, neither of us had ever sold really anything, certainly nothing worth more than you know, uh, hundred pounds or, or something. Um, and so we said, we should buy a book. So we went to the airport bookstore and picked out this bright green book and we both read it on that, on that trip. And we said, well, you know, this is, this is good. It sounds right. It sounds interesting. This guy writes well. It sounds like a, a legitimate process. But it might all be bullshit. Like, how would we know if, if this guy's for real? And we said, well, you know, the way to test it is to sell something to him using his process. And if it works, then we'll know that he's for real. Um, and that's a, a good stress test we figured, because everybody must do this, right? Every joker must read this guy's book and then try and sell him something. Um, but actually it turns out, that no, he said nobody had ever tried that before. Uh, so we literally followed his exact process. We, we wrote him a letter, uh, which didn't try and sell him anything. It just tried to get him on the phone. Um, we got, picked up the phone and called him with the sole purpose of getting a meeting. Um, didn't try and sell him anything on the phone. We got a train in the middle of the uh, middle of the night felt like because he, he was way out in the uh, in the countryside um went out there and signed a contract to redesign his website for that's him. amazing and uh we told him you know later that what we were doing and, and said you know, doesn't everybody try this and he said like no you that was part of the reason that i kind of went with you kids because uh, uh you were the first people with with the initiative to do that and anyway he, he became a great mentor over the years awesome. and so yeah he, he helps a lot then yeah and we, we then we did pay for various bits of advice the ones that stand out um we had somebody tell us to rebrand in our first year uh, actually i don't think we did pay him he, he was through a government scheme um we worked we worked with a uh, a coach um who positioned herself as a um more as a personal coach than a business coach okay. um she her, her positioning was all about uh, entrepreneurs managing their stress okay and but she was we met her through a business networking group and it was kind of like one of these things where it it was kind of the dumb thing to to try out each other's services and and, yeah, and yeah. so forth anyway the, in her first meeting she said uh, i'm not going to try and work on you two personally um the way to manage your stress is to be more successful like you you need to grow your business so uh like that's the that the only thing you're stressed about is that you've got this tiny business and you want a bigger business and so she was a kind of um did some business coaching for us um but i do remember at the time we must have been i think we did have employees but the whole company was probably three or four people and she said you know how, how big do you want this company to be and um we kind of bounced some ideas back and forth and we said uh yeah we, we could envisage one day we kind of counted individual roles that we were thinking about hiring yeah. you know like oh we, we could do with a designer and we you know maybe we'll have another account manager and these kind of things and we said you know we could imagine maybe one day having six or even eight people in this business um now our business when we sold it was 50 so uh that tells you probably more about our terrible forecasting um and uh whatever but it was kind of interesting that we we didn't come in with the in a sense the oversized pipe dream we almost had to build our ambition the other way around and yeah. prove to ourselves that certain things are possible 
before we before we grew the next stage uh, of the ambition. Um, so yeah, so, so that was the thing that sticks in my mind from her. And then we worked for many years with um, a guy called John Varney, who was a, um, uh, a kind of non-exec advisor. In fact, he was the only person who ever um, invested in Distilled from the outside. So uh, we were, at the time when we, um, when we sold the business earlier this year, it was majority owned by Duncan and I. A bunch of our early employees and um, kind of senior team had uh, had small bits of equity, and um, and John was the only person who'd ever bought equity, other than having had options granted through the business or or, or whatever. So he a small minority shareholder, but still he was the one guy who uh, yeah made a pure pure financial play on it. Um, and so yeah, we, we did have various various advisors who were super helpful over the years. That's amazing. So in terms of like growing up, right? Did you ever dream of like owning your own company? Like, was this always one of your, because you saw from your dad what it was all about, right? You probably- Yeah, uh, yes. I probably wouldn't describe it as a dream so much as a, more like a default, actually. Okay. It was more like I assumed that's what okay. would happen. That's amazing. Um, and I think what I didn't have, possibly because of that, was it, I didn't have a, it wasn't very specific. You know, some people have a, like, I have a dream to have this kind of business. You know, I, I, I've always wanted to have my own, whatever it might be. Whereas I think for me in particular, I, I can't speak to, to Duncan on this, but for me, it was like, no, I, I would be running a business. I don't know what it will do. I don't know what industry it will be in, but that, that's what I will end up doing. Um, and so, yeah, I had a couple of kind of small entrepreneurial ventures you know, in, in my teens um, that, that were like, yeah, never made a lot of money, but maybe made kind of the equivalent money that I could have made uh, waiting tables or, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, that, that, that kind of thing. Um, and the, um, yeah, I, and I think, yeah, I, th I think that is entirely a, a feature of my early childhood, essentially. Like, yeah, I, I remember, um, I remember my dad being a lot happier working for himself than, Mm. Um, going out to work every day. Um, he he sheltered me in the early days from a lot of the ups and downs, but then in the uh, as I grew up, I did get to see um, more of the you know, what the entrepreneurial the journey looked like. Yeah. Um, but but I remember even from I mean some of my earliest memories. I I, I remember as a um, probably about the age my kids are now, so like um, preteen, definitely uh, practicing maths by uh, adding up checks and like balancing his checkbook oh, yeah. which was obviously a thing uh, you know you, you had to do back then um and working up to being able to do that on my own without supervision so that he would you know, without being checked uh, and so forth and, and going and paying in checks and um working on the banking side of things i remember stuffing envelopes you know the equivalent of email marketing back in the day uh li literally folding and, and stamping and addressing and all that kind of stuff um so yeah so those are some of my earliest memories so it's, it's kind of unsurprising i suppose Anyway. So what's old is new again, because email marketing is bombarded, as you know, like, I just feel there's so much going on in terms of digital. Um, it's, it's interesting, the world we're living in today. Um, so tell me some of the challenges that you kind of faced over the last, I would say, growing your agency to then selling it. And can you think of like some major mistakes that you could have prevented or things that you can maybe share with the audience members and maybe how you overcame them? Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, so I think, I think the first thing I would say is, so I remember a piece of advice that we got in, I don't know who it was, probably our first year of business, 
was um, our accountant said, you should try and pay, your, one of your goals should be to pay more tax every year. Um, and obviously, no no business person likes to hear that that their, their taxes are going up. Uh, but of course, what you meant was, you know, that means you're, you're earning more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. So, um, and I think the same thing applies to mistakes. That um, we, we always we joked that our mistakes got bigger and bigger. So, you know, the 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 mistake that in our early years was a um, uh, you know a hundred dollar mistake at some point became a thousand dollar mistake. At some point, it was a ten thousand dollar mistake, and uh, you know then. I think I think we had a, I think we had a hundred thousand dollar mistake. I don't think we I don't think I've yet had a million dollar mistake, but uh, or at least not in one go. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I think the well, so the, the hundred thousand dollar mistake was um, on the conferences side. We um, uh, we'd been running conferences in London for a few years by this point, and we'd run a handful in the US. Uh, I don't remember how many, and we wanted to run a West Coast conference and we set out to run one in um uh, in san francisco we'd never been to san francisco uh and we did many things wrong uh, including picking a location that wasn't actually in san francisco um it was in berkeley uh and we didn't really kind of know enough about the the location or the geography or, or whatever else uh also it was a super saturated like we probably couldn't have picked a worse city to, to try and run an event and it was very expensive, even though we weren't in downtown San Francisco. Many, many other things went wrong. Anyway, long story short, we uh, we never ran that conference. We, we canceled it a few weeks out because we'd only sold a couple of dozen tickets, I think. And um, the, uh, the most tangible mistake we made actually was not any of those things. It was not paying enough attention to the cancellation dates in our contracts for various venues and fixed costs and so forth. And um, I think we missed by one day if we cancelled literally a day earlier, we'd have saved. That wasn't 100,000 in one fell swoop. That was tens of thousands. Uh, we'd basically got our deposit back, or most of it. Um, and uh, it, Was it a time time zone issue? No, we just, <laughs> uh, we didn't have that date as a significant oh, thing in our head. We were, we'd been discussing back and forth, you know, should, should we run this event? Should we push it through? Should we run a small event? Should we downscale it? do we think we're going to sell more tickets in the last couple of weeks? You know, it was all this kind of back and forth. And um, we just didn't have in our heads, oh, like we need to cancel by Wednesday if we're going to kind of thing. Um, and that nobody had paid enough attention to uh, just yeah, the operational side of that. Um, and uh, yeah, so that, that was an expensive lesson. Um, I'm not sure there's a ton of transferable knowledge to, to, to be gained from that. Um, you know, we don't regret taking those risks or, or doing those things. We eventually did run a successful West Coast event. We used to run um, until pre-pandemic and we'll, we'll be back uh, to running in San Diego, which, nice. uh, which is fantastic. San Diego. Nice. I love San Diego. I just missed out on the trip this year. Was, we, our conference was supposed to be on the, I think it was 25th and 26th or 26th and 27th of March uh, and this year. Early March. And so I was, I was in Seattle, I think on the 8th, 9th of March, something like that. That was my last US trip. I flew home, everybody was hand sanitizing and you know, all those kind of things, but it was, nobody was wearing masks yet. Um, and got back and yeah, the next week we uh, we postponed our, our San Diego. So I've, I've missed out on my beach trip this year, which I'm, I'm very disappointed by. Um, but yeah, so I think that, that's kind of an example of a mistake, I suppose, or like a, a, an oversight, I suppose, that, that, that was like literally a moment where you could say, if I, if I literally had done that instead of this, it would have um, it would have gone differently. Everything else I think is a little bit more subtle. So I think, I mean, actually, probably the closest to a million dollar mistake is in 2013, 2014, 
we were scaling um, as a business. Distilled had been, we'd gone, we'd had multiple years where a whole bunch of things had lined up nicely and gone really well. So going back to maybe 2008 or so, where we'd had you know nice revenue growth, um, and then 2009 we started the conferences. 2010 we opened up in Seattle. 2011 we opened up in New York. 2012 we uh, launched Distilled U, our online training platform. Um, and 2013, 2014, we'd had some of our best revenue growth ever. Yeah. And maybe hubris, maybe inexperience, maybe maybe it could have been the right thing, and it just didn't work out. I don't know. We we started somehow thinking that that was inevitable and that we should be planning for the next phase of growth. I think we started talking more about planning for growth than causing growth or driving mm. growth. And we we hired for the next phase, right? We, we staffed up a sales team. We hired a whole bunch of people. Uh, I don't remember the exact numbers, but I think we added 19 people in uh, over, over some I can't remember what the time period was. Um, and, and the company grew to the biggest. In fact, we never got back to that uh, that headcount again. It, and honestly, it had too many people. Like it, it got a bit flabby. It got like uh, a bit confused who was doing what role. Um, there was a bit too much overlap. It wasn't well-structured. And uh, yeah, and then the growth didn't come. So that next year, uh, that was probably the the roughest year that we, uh, that we ever had was um, somehow even worse than, I mean, global financial crisis was a slowdown for us, 2008, 2009 in new business, but actually our revenue grew through those years as in new business took longer to close than it had been. But I think we closed some bigger contracts, managed to hang on to retainers. Like actually those years were were fine uh, for us. I think 2014, 2015 was our our, our darkest um, moment. And, yeah, like I, I can't point point to one single thing. That, that I think that was just a, a whole set of a set of mistakes, which I can't say we never made again. Like we 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 had similar uh, a similar ish moment in in kind of but more constraint, more, more to specific teams or or those kinds of things later, where where we we started talking about how we would um, yeah, like I said, you, I think as soon as you start thinking about planning for rather than causing growth, that was the mindset shift that um, that that. That hurt us then, and it, I think it took us years to to kind of get out of that 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 kind of funk. Because w- when we hit that wall and retrenched, that was our first ever year over year decline in revenue. Um, and that, that was a big kind of confidence knock, you know, to to have gone that many years growing year, every year consistently growing, um, and trying to get back to that again. And, and it, we did get back to growing again, but it uh, it, it took us a little while to. Um, to rebuild that the, the the organizational confidence as much as as much as personal confidence, I think. I think hearing you, it sounds like you and Duncan gelled very well together, right? Mm-hmm. And that's one thing that I admire from a lot of people that are in a journey, like an entrepreneurial journey, with a partner, right? Someone that they can trust, confide with, and actually get along and have the same sort of goals and aspirations. Like I, I look at my journey, and I started this. SEO career seven years ago. I've been a solopreneur, right? With a team behind me, but I don't have anyone to really bounce off ideas with, right? So for me, it's like, I would love someone, but now that I'm so in it deep, I'm joining a lot of communities, I'm learning, but Mm -hmm. it's slower progression, right? 
And then I'm wondering, maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't, but it, it fits my lifestyle. So I'm like slow and steady wins the race. I enjoy yeah. the, the momentum and growth. Even though growth is nice, it's the right clients I'd rather be working with. I, I would choose lifestyle because again, you have a family. I have a family. Growth isn't everything for everyone, right? Totally. And for me, I'm like, I, I always hear and I, I see this from a lot of agencies and they're like, you know, once you get to a certain point, you want to sell it, exit, move on to the next thing, right? But then what do they do? Like, you know what I mean? Like you've been putting your heart and soul into something for so long, you kind of don't have that same sort of drive and motivation and passion anymore, right? For your next thing, because you have to start all over again. So that's where I'm like wondering, you know, I know you sold this company that you kind of spent a lot of time building. What what pushes you now? Like what, what motivates you? So it's really interesting, actually. I think, I mean, every, I think everybody's journey is different and, and you're, you're absolutely right that like, oh, I think the main thing is you need to do what's right for you. And yes, not everybody has the clarity to be able to see what that is in advance. You know, sometimes you have to go down some, some dead ends and, yeah. and turn around and come back. But um, yeah, that, that should be the, the the North Star. I think I I was really lucky that the way this deal panned out, and it, and it was kind of a unique opportunity for us because, um, because it didn't mean walking away and starting from scratch. Mm. Um, and, and, and nor did it mean selling a business that I was embedded in and having the kind of obligation that that was my life for the next three years, five years, you know, whatever it might be. Um, so what, what we did was we, we'd had this software product, um, the, the platform that's now called SearchPilot, which we'd been building up within Distilled. So we'd, okay. uh, it, it was an R&D project initially within Distilled. Uh, and actually Duncan um, had, had moved into that team entirely uh, a few years earlier and kind of gone back to his product and engineering roots. And um, we'd been building that first as an R&D project. You're just, can we do this thing? Yeah. Then as a, um, I guess, a early commercial experiment, you know, will anybody pay for this thing? And then it was kind of obvious that, oh yeah, you know, they will. And so we were running it as a, um, as a business unit within Distilled and it had its own PL, its own team, uh, those kinds of things, which made it, I was going to say easy to spin out. It wasn't easy to spin out. It was, it was very, very hard to unpick all, all, the, all the pieces, but it made it possible um, to spin this out as an independent company. So SearchPilot spun out of Distilled, owned by the shareholders of Distilled. Um, and, then, and then we sold the rest of Distilled. So we sold the consulting and uh, conferences business. And um, my wife... So obviously, through all these kind of things, you you second guess yourself, right? You think, is this is this a good deal? Is this the deal we should be doing? Is this uh, is this right for us? And um, I remember a conversation we had at home where um, we were talking about the the differences of, on these different kinds of deals, and and Heather, my wife, said, um, I, "I think this is better for you than a deal where you sold the whole thing because you'd be a nightmare." <laughs> and and the fact that I had. Uh, both Duncan and I, and I had the search pilot thing, which wasn't crucially wasn't actually starting from scratch, right? Although there was a lot of that, you know, yes, we had to uh, register to file our taxes and find a new accountant, like do a lot of those kind of early stage things. We didn't have to find our first customer. We didn't have to find our first team member. We didn't have to find offices on day one. You know, all of those kind of things were, we'd actually done a lot of that kind of already. And so, yeah, for me personally, I... I, I haven't struggled at all, weirdly, 
I, I worried that maybe I would, but I haven't struggled at all with, with that kind of motivation or, or, or drive since, since we did the deal. But I think part of that is down to it was a deal perfectly shaped and suited to my temperament. Um, I wanted to go into the next thing. I didn't want it to be from scratch. Um, you know, like I, I kind of, it was the right stage. And so, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, if I haven't been in that situation of, of kind of having sold the whole thing, I imagine that that must be a very different, um, a different kind of experience. Yeah, I think uh, support, right? Not only from Duncan and your wife and people that really truly know you, right? They know how you're going to be once you exit or if you find something or if you will ever find something as you have right now, right? Like, will you still have that drive, passion, motivation to continue pursuing whatever you want to do, right? Yeah, um, yeah. And, and I think the key is finding people that really know you, right? And that you can trust, that will rely on you because you yourself, like myself, I'm very determined. I'm very like, you know, business owner kind of mentality of be nice to grow and whatever, but I don't really have that clarity of what's next. Right. And that's the biggest challenge as an entrepreneur. Yes. You get to certain stages, you get, you grow, you scale, you whatever. And then you fake, try to understand, like, do you want to exit or continue? Is it a lifestyle business or do you want to cash out and move on? Right. Um, if you're successful enough to even move on and sell a business, because not a lot of people yeah. even understand that whole side of things, right? Um, but do you enjoy what you're doing, right? Do you, are you happy? Are you in a good state of mind, right? Like mindsets, everything, and just enjoying that whole process. Um, yes, yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I think the, um, one of the other things that we, we, we reminded ourselves, so I mean, the deal took six months, yeah. right? To, to, to end to end. And throughout that whole time, we were, we were kind of reminding ourselves, this could fall apart at the 11th hour. Yep. I know so many, so many people who have had deals fall through, you know, in many cases, like literally at, at, the, at the kind of signing stage. And so I didn't want to be in a position where we were desperate to sell or, uh, you know, I, I, I very much wanted, if it ever was going to happen, it, it had to happen at a time when, we were okay for the answer to be, no, we'll just carry on running this thing. You know, th- this is this is good. This is fine. Yeah. Uh, rather than running away from something. And but the flip side is, you know, yes, we had been doing it for 15 years. And I felt like I could see a horizon to where I didn't want to be doing that forever. Yeah. And so that felt like it, it, I was definitely still enjoying it at the time. And I've been enjoying what we've done since. But I'm kind of I'm, I'm glad. I feel like the time it worked well in that sense. Like it, it was good. To um, to have that moment come before I got to the point of feeling like this is the thing I want to get out of. You know, yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah, it's good to self-reflect, right? To figure out like where you're at in terms of your life stage, right? If you're married, or if you're kids, or you're single, right? Mm-hmm. And depending on where you're at, we'll have you know different outcomes, right? Uh, in terms of choice, and a lot of people have to be understanding of where they're at and what motivations you have at certain aspects of life, right? Like life stages are so critical and just be self-aware. And I'm glad that you're like mentally clear as well. Like you are focused, you're a business owner that I admire because you have full sense of control on. And that looks like that. (laughs) but, But that's the thing. Like, even though inside you feel like you're a mess and I do too, you, you act like you know your stuff and that's important, right? Like you, 
you know, this is the first time we're, we're speaking, but it, for me, it sounds like you are ultimately in control of your life. And a lot of people aren't. Right. Yeah. And I, 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 that. I, I definitely think there is something to the, the idea that accepting the fact that it's always going to feel, there's always going to be a difference between the way you feel and the way you're perceived. Um, and, and it's okay to be on a journey yeah. for that as well. Like you, you don't have to have all of the answers today. Um, yeah. I don't know how much of that is um, learnt, taught, developed, or just kind of innate, but I think it does tie into the enjoying the game element yep. as well. Like I think, I think one of the other things that's helped me is getting a sense of perspective Yes, of, of trying to be, it's funny, my, my, my team, uh, actually people who've left many years ago still joke about um, we landed a uh, we landed a contract with Amazon yeah. in I don't even remember 2007 2008 uh, and one of our team worked with us then which was one of our very first hires worked with us all the way through till a year or two ago um, so it was with us for many many years and she said uh, she said she never saw me uh, as happy or celebrate any kind of business thing to, to the extent I did that, that one contract that was only for 10,000 pounds or something. It wasn't even a big, um, a big contract, uh, all those years before. And, um, it was interesting that I, I, th I think she was right. You know, that I learned to somewhat smooth off the highs and the lows. And, and as I said, that sounds like a depressing thing, but actually, it's been it's very helpful i think to be able to smooth off the lows and i think the only way you do that is by accepting that like broadly speaking none of these things are ever as good as they seem on the on day one or ever as bad as they seem on day one yeah. and so having the having the kind of patience to see how it plays out is um it, it is part of it and and has helped me in general i think in, enjoy that journey and, and just kind of take the yeah take that take the highs and lows as they come and, and i love the fact that you're always referring to relative right where it's good perspective on where you're at and where you started with. And it's also self-fulfilling, right? Because you don't want to compare with others. And that's what a lot of people do, right? They're always chasing and they always feel like there's that other company who is maybe a little bit higher or greater. They're more branded. Mm -hmm. They seem to have everything figured out and you're chasing them. Don't, don't do that, all right? Like, you know what you can control. And that's where I've learned as well. Like, since day one with my agency, it's like, I don't care what other people are doing. I just want to get better. I want to improve the quality of my staff, my service, my systems, my processes, and get good results. Ultimately, take care of clients. Like, just fundamental stuff, right? And people forget about that. And they're like, I want to be that biggest brand out there. I want to be that well-known, global, whatever, recognition, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's, again, chasing more shares and likes, and that's where social media comes into play. I'm not a big advocate of social. I feel like I, I'm like an old school kind of guy that just takes care of fundamental stuff. And, mm -hmm. and that's why, like, even with this podcast, I don't care how popular it is, if it's not or it is. I just enjoy people's company. Is that okay? I don't know, but I'm enjoying the process. and. Yeah. I've been doing 200 plus episodes. I'm probably not even that popular. It's fine. I enjoy our company, Will. And that's no, why I, I love I think it, there's, right? There's a lot for that. Like the, the, not only enjoying the, the process, but also enjoying the result for its own sake. So, so enjoying the, the, the value that you get from having made something good. It, you know, in, in, in your, 
it sounds terrible in your own opinion yeah as yeah, in like yeah, yeah uh, exactly you, you feel um fulfilled in the in in the production of that yeah i don't know and that's another one where i i i like anyone else i'm sure suffer from jealousy sometimes or looking at somebody else and thinking you know i need i need to achieve what they are i try and funnel that back into the productive so try and funnel that back into like okay that's great like fine Good for them <laughs> but now what what are you going to do about it you know, if you want your business to be better at that thing or more famous for that thing or yep. whatever it might be, like, um, yeah, the, the motivation can come from many places. It, you know, it can come from inside you. It can come from uh, extrinsic stuff. It can come from, uh, it can come from many places, but, but trying to make it a positive thing rather than a, a thing that eats you up is yeah. the, uh, I don't know. I, I think that's probably the, uh, the, the more important part. Um, yeah, certainly something that I've tried to cultivate over the years. Yeah, but I'm loving this conversation because it's, it's, it's more authentic. And, you know, we, we've never scripted anything. And this is more about just having a great conversation with Will and his journey, right? So I know we're running short on time. I just have a couple other questions on it to ask you. Um, currently, so what motivates you today versus what, what motivated you a couple of years ago? Like, What's your real, true passion now? Interesting. Um, I don't know that it's changed that much, actually. I think the the thing that I have got the most out of over the decades has been the um, all of the careers that we've played some small part in building. Mm, yeah. Right. So, uh, you know, I'm, and that's that spans everything from the the folks who joined us as analysts who are now leadership in one company or the other you know, the, in, in search pilot or, or, um, or brain labs that uh, are quite distilled through to the people who worked with us for a couple of years. And we were a, a jumping off point that led them to be able to go and get a, a massive job that they couldn't have got um, without that experience and feeling like being able to play some small part in many people's lives in that way has been, that's been a, a thing that gets me out of bed in the morning um, and that hasn't really changed and that, that's kind of actually a core part of the values of, of search pilot one, one of the things we've done this year is, is kind of thinking about our mission and vision and the mission is obviously the very business focused you know what, what do we want this business to achieve for itself and for its customers um, but the the rounding out of the vision was about this is needs to be somewhere where we're creating great careers we're, we're making amazing jobs and um, yeah, that that for me personally has been a, an ongoing driver. Uh, I think probably if I had to say what's changed, it's just that, and this was partly deliberate with with the way we structured the deal and 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 so forth. Was with distilled, we'd been building it for fifteen years, and it was quite we were all in, very undiversified. We were all, all invested in that. So a big part of it was about creating stability, about creating. Um, maintaining things for the whole team, maintaining the, that, that kind of capability. Whereas I think with SearchPilot, it's much more saying, um, you know, this time around, we can we can shoot for bigger. We can shoot for, uh, uh, I guess, kind of take more risks in a sense, although um, I, I think they're quite measured in, in many ways because we've we've kind of been around that block once yeah. already. That's, that's awesome, man. Like, I, I just feel so happy for you because it's like you're finding your place, right? And yeah, no, it's, 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 it's been, that uh, journey, right? It's definitely been a great journey. And, and uh, I, I've, again, the way that we, we kind of structured things, it didn't feel like the end of the book. It felt like the end of a chapter. And, and I'm kind of enjoying the next chapter. So, so that's good. 
And then what, what about like your major pillars today? Like, um, it sounds like you're, you're enjoying time with family. Um, mm-hmm. like, it's been the silver lining of, uh, of this year, I think is, um, yeah. Eating dinner with the kids every day, uh, going on in the summer, especially when the, when it was light uh, for more of the day, being able to go on bike rides during the week, um, with the kids, that, that, that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, that, that's been a big part of it. I think the, the, the pillars that have dropped away, unfortunately, have been, um, I've, I've managed to get just about enough exercise. I've, I've taken up cycling again, but basketball's fallen by the wayside because team sports aren't, aren't really happening right now. We have, we have managed a, a week or two in September um, when things were briefly better. Um, and, and friends, I suppose, you know, like, yeah, they're, they're, they're on the end of Zoom, but it's not quite the same. Um, and so the, uh, yeah, the, that balance is out of whack, but such is life. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll rebuild it again. I, I love talking to a fellow SEOer because we're all givers in this community. The ones that are ethical, anyways, the ones that are doing things the right way and honest, right? Um, and that's where I feel like this SEO community, we're different than <laughs> a lot of other companies because a lot of them are like cutthroat. They're like really, really in it for themselves. They don't really care and they're ruthless. I would say, right? Even some big brands, right? Where they don't care and they're going to do whatever it takes. For us, we're all about trying to enhance our employees, other colleagues and support one another, right? Because we're in it to help others. This is what SEO is about, right? So I I love this community Um, and you get to meet some great people behind it, right? And that's what I'm trying to do with this podcast, really just to let people in on us as humans and being real about the journey, right? And not, it might not be for everyone. It's fine, right? Yep, absolutely. Um, but I, I love this interview. Thanks a lot. How do uh, some of the audience members uh, get a hold of you or your, you know, social handles, your company? So, uh, yeah, for, for me personally, Twitter is where I'm most active. So at Will Critchlow on Twitter, um, you can at me there, DM me there, uh, find my contact details there. Uh, and for the company side of things, it's, it's at Searchfire. Um, so you can uh, find us there and, and obviously on the web at searchpilot.com well thanks a lot Will I really had a good thank time thank you and um, thanks a lot for joining us today take care thank you for listening to our latest podcast please subscribe to local SEO today and tune in to our next episode